Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, However you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big old Friday. We will be continue. Oh, we we will be wrapping up our kind of narrative revisits, the narratives that we put on every single team, what we wanted to see out of them at the beginning of training camp. Now that it's over, preseason's done, training camp's basically over, ready to go into the full swing of it. We've got two more divisions to watch, uh, to look at in our training camp narratives revisits the AFC North and the AFC West so we'll see what we said about those teams in the beginning of training camp see if anything's changed and see if we learned anything so we'll wrap that up today on the show and we should be able to get to predicting the overall win totals looking at what uh, the line is according to Vegas on every single team's win totals and seeing if there's any great value there can we find those wins so we can make a little bit of money at the uh, at the start of this uh, NFL regular season so We've got uh, all that today on the show, so let's just jump right into it with the stories of the day. And the first one up, all righty. Well, Cam Newton's not going to Dallas, folks. I don't know where this narrative came from. It was like real instant. As soon as Cam Newton got cut from the Patriots, everyone started to get on this like big old bandwagon of Cam Newton going to the Cowboys. It was real crazy. I don't know who started it. it I think it had a lot to do with Skip Bayless. He was like, oh my God, the Cowboys have to go out and get Cam Newton. It doesn't make any sense. Obviously, you're going to rock with... Um, Dak Prescott, Cam Newton, I mean, he'd be a backup for this Cowboys team. I mean, would that even work? I don't I don't know. Um, and then, you know, they would probably, you know, if you have Cam Newton on your team just sitting there being a backup quarterback, you think you would want to get him involved in some sort of kind of dynamic offensively. So you'd probably have to change your offense a little bit to get some gadget plays with Cam Newton in there. And, you know, we're at the end of training camp. You can't really install those new plays right off the rip. Um, you know, focus on what you've been doing and, you know, adding new players into this into the mix right before the season starts really could be just detrimental to your overall chemistry and team overall. So the Cowboys are not interested in Cam Newton. That was like a, a one-day story that I don't even know where it came from, but didn't make any sense, and now they kind of absolutely quash it. We get uh, head coach here, Mike McCarthy. This was his co quote. says, quote, I think he has a ton of football left, but we're very excited about the group that we have. So obviously Dak Prescott's coming off the injury. But he's looking fine. We told y'all, don't even bring it up anymore. He's 100% healthy. They don't have a backup quarterback. That is the only kind of downside to this Cowboys team. If Dak does go down again, let's knock on wood on that, then the Cowboys season is instantly over because they don't have that quarterback. Or they get Cam Newton after Dak goes down. But uh, the Cowboys will not be going after Cam Newton. And Cam Newton is probably not going to be playing this season and probably won't play ever again. Truly unfortunate here for Cam Newton. And um, I think it's kind of right. I think he's kind of ran his course in the league. Um, I don't agree with Mike McCarthy saying he's got a lot of football left. I think it's unfortunately over. So Cam Newton not going to the Cowboys. Probably not going to go anywhere this season. And we'll see where Cam Newton could potentially go potentially next season if a uh, team, a spot at starting quarterback opens up. But uh, Cowboys are not interested in old Cam. 
Alrighty, let's move on to uh, the Patriots here. And now we get to hear some good things about Mac Jones. What is he like now that we all know that he is the 100% surefire, already named starting quarterback for week one for this Patriots team ever since they cut Cam Newton. We, you know, we, we, we've seen Mac Jones kind of play. He's been looking all right. He's been looking solid for, you know, where he is so far in his career, which is, you know, rookie training camp that's it uh so he's been looking decent there but we just don't know anything really about him we don't know how his players uh, you know his teammates kind of feel about him anything like that but we get some quotes here by Patriots cornerback JC Jackson on Mac Jones saying quote he's a rookie but he plays like a vet Ooh, some big nice words here supporting Mac Jones and that's fine I mean Mac Jones has been really surprising me just overall we never believed in really Mac Jones um at the start of the draft and now here he is Taken rookie first rounder to the Patriots, learning under Bill Belichick, beating out Cam Newton for the starting job, and now is the starting quarterback. And I didn't even think any of this would be possible ever throughout his entire whatever, however many years he was going to be in the NFL. I never thought Mac Jones would really be a starter in this league, but here we are. So let's see how his teammates are feeling about him. Let's see if we get any other great information on these quotes that maybe we can start buying Mac Jones even more. How crazy would that be? So here we go. Mac Jones won the New England Patriots starting job starting quarterback job with his impressive development during training camp and the preseason. The rookie's display of calm in the pocket, knowledge of the offense, and ability to distribute allowed the Patriots to hand him the week one starting job confidently. Perhaps no one saw Jones's evolution throughout training camp better than the defensive backs who faced him every day at practice. Their scouting report was glowing after the rookie was given the starting gig and Cam Newton was released. And I got you know we got to commend NFL.com writers right here they didn't use the word gush so congratulations to Kevin Patra saying you know they um they're scouting they're scouting their scouting report was glowing after the rookie was given the starting gig and not saying their scouting report was gushing after so we applaud them all right but here we go a quote here by corner J.C. Jackson says, quote, Mac Jones, he's going to be that guy. I mean, he's a rookie, but he plays like a vet. The way he reads defenses, the way he steps up in the pocket, delivers the ball, he's improved since the first time I saw him. That's fantastic. That's what we love to see out of quarterback, stepping up in the pocket, being comfortable in the pocket, and that's kind of a huge thing for rookie quarterbacks, just kind of feeling out the pace of the game, feeling comfortable in the pocket now that you've got, you know, 30-year-old grown men coming at you and not kind of 19, 20-year-old kids coming at you. These are grown men who have been in the league and are vicious, furious. I mean, Aaron Donald, obviously one of the best to ever do it. So uh, the fact that he's kind of being calm in the pocket, stepping up, and we've seen that for Mac Jones. We don't see him kind of wanting to bounce out quickly. You know, he's not a dual threat quarterback, so it's a little bit easier for him to stay in the pocket because he's really got nothing else. Not like a Justin Fields who we kind of have seen kind of roll out of the pocket maybe, maybe a smidge too early. Uh, but uh, this is great by uh, Mac Jones so far. Staying st uh, cool, calm, collected in the pocket. A nice veteran presence um, that he's been bringing to this team so far um, as a rookie. But let's keep going here. We get uh, two more quotes, so let's continue on here. Fellow corner Jalen Mills noted that Jones's ability to run the offense is ahead of where you see most rookies at this stage, saying, quote, I think the biggest thing is when you see the offense may have a play called, there may be a motion, or you see a guy flinch. 
where it may be a blitz and you see him go to the line of scrimmage and make a different type of check. That's what you want to see from not only a young guy, but your quarterback in general. They have predicted a call, and he sees the defense is attacking them in a certain type of way, and he changes the whole offense to a play that helps him get in a better position. So that's fantastic. Already kind of having full control of the offense at the line, can kind of switch the plays you know, if he needs to, can change the production because he's recognizing what the defense is going to do. So once again, this is huge, great stuff out of Mac Jones so far, and the fact that he's just – progressing so quickly that's definitely why he was named the starter once again we're not really putting any any really weight into Bill Belichick going with Mac Jones over Cam Newton and cutting Cam Newton because of his vaccination status we don't think it's really has that much to do with it we do see that Mac Jones is just playing at a really really solid level right now where Cam Newton is still just average ish and it makes no sense to go with Cam Newton when they're both kind of on the same level when Cam Newton is going into his second year of this offense still not fully grasping it and fully understanding and fully kind of utilizing all these offensive pieces. I mean, Bill Belichick in this offseason spent the most money, I believe, in NFL history in free agency. Spent the most money on getting wide receivers and tight ends to help out the passing game because it was so lackluster last season, and Cam Newton was still not getting it done here. And we know it's early in the preseason and there was no real game action. We get all of that, folks. But if you're not performing in the preseason, I mean, that's when you're supposed to kind of show that you've got it. You know, this Patriots team... Um, you know, said it wasn't an open quarterback competition. So Cam Newton, did he get kind of complacent a little bit? Did he stop studying? Did he kind of think, hey, they're not going to start the rookie and didn't give us 100% into this offense and buying into it because we saw some lackluster plays in preseason by Cam Newton. So maybe Cam Newton maybe took this training camp off. Didn't really seem like he got that much better than what, than what he was last season. He was kind of really not good last season. So Mac Jones, Nice development so far, playing kind of above what a rookie at uh, at this point in their career is doing. And, uh, you know, he's reading coverages, fixing the protection at the line of scrimmage, staying in the pocket, and, uh, you know, just being that true leader that this Patriots team needs out of the quarterback position. So, Mac Jones, this kid may have it. Does Mac Jones turn out to be the best quarterback in this draft class? How insane would that be? If Mac Jones is better than Trevor Lawrence, how insane would that be? If Mac Jones is better than Justin Fields, how insane would that be? But the man's got a starting gig here in New England under Bill Belichick. And we know what Bill Belichick does with kind of... Not the greatest quarterback talent kind of scouted coming into the NFL. Tom Brady taking, what, sixth, seventh round? They won a couple of Super Bowls. Couple. Mac Jones? He was taken in the first round, but the last quarterback taken. Can he win a couple of Super Bowls? He's kind of got the game already. Patriots have some tier two weapons that they just bought. Cam Newton, or um, Bill Belichick. This could be Super Bowl team. Do we dare say that? Mac Jones wins Super Bowl rookie year? I would say it's a it's 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 a possibility, I would say. I'd I'd give it like maybe 5% credit. I think I would say yeah, the Patriots have maybe a potential 5% chance to win it all this season. I think that's decent for this team. So, 
We'll see how Mac Jones is going to look in the regular season. We all know it's preseason, and you know you we we can get drastic different looks from preseason to week one in the regular season. So. We'll see if Mac Jones can continue this kind of decently high level of play that he's been showing over the last couple of preseason games as we head into week one. Big pressure on Mac Jones facing the Miami Dolphins week one, and that Dolphins defense is pretty solid. We've just got the, you know, one of the best corners in the league, according to himself, Xavier Howard. He believes he is the best corner in the league. So, Mac Jones, you better hope you're, uh, you're studying and getting better every single day because that week one is going to be a tough challenge. And we'll see if he goes out and, uh, you know, seizes the moment and seizes the opportunity. So everybody's kind of praising Mac Jones a little bit on this Patriots team. People are buying into him. He's getting it done, folks. All righty, here we go. So once again, the Giants, uh, no viability into this team. And it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse because now we're getting this. Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver for the Giants, says the Giants can be, quote, can be really special, but probably slow to begin the season. Ugh. 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 Folks, we want this Giants team to be absolutely spectacular. We want Jason Garrett to get a little bit more kind of clout from... You know, just kind of being disrespected and disregarded as the Cowboys head coach. Now he's the offensive coordinator here for the Giants. And I thought he did pretty solid last season. We want Daniel Jones to have this big, great year three leap. And we hope that we can talk about Daniel Jones and kind of like maybe not the top five quarterbacks in the league at any given point in time, but maybe a top 10, definitely top 15. I would like to see Daniel Jones be successful. There can never be too many great quarterbacks in this league, folks. I mean, I'll take all 32. If all 32 teams could have like a Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, um, Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers-esque type of play style, and we can get all 32 teams teams with A1 tier 1 quarterbacks, I mean, that's just going to make the games better. I mean, that's just going to make the overall product of football better. So, of course, I'm going to be rooting for that. So, we want to see Daniel Jones step up. Saquon Barkley still in the air about being ready to go week one. There are reports. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports giant Saquon Barkley has a strong chance to play in week one against the Broncos. But once again, nothing affirmative, nothing confirmation-wise on Saquon Barkley. So if there's nothing confirmation, true confirmation here on Saquon Barkley, we can't even really take it as the truth because we know it's been so slow and so kind of tight-lipped about Saquon Barkley. So I don't even know if I believe Jeremy Fowler here. It's not that I don't believe Jeremy Fowler. It's just I don't believe whoever his source is because I don't think they truly know there with the Giants. This could, this should be a good day here for us now that Saquon Barkley has a strong chance to play week one, but we can't even buy into that because of all the information or the lack of information about Saquon Barkley literally this entire your offseason. Rarely anybody is talking about him, first of all, in the national media or anybody else. And then, you know, nobody's giving a timetable and nobody's saying anything about Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley's not even saying anything. Nobody's saying anything. So I, I can't even take this strong chance as something good. I'm really more worried about Kenny Galladay saying that they're going to get out to a slow start. Why are you getting out to a slow start? You had your preseason. You had your training camp. It's not like you, 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 the Giants had no training camp. Like the Giants had their training camp suspended this season or anything. You had the same amount of time to prepare like everybody else did. 
you brought in a lot of new players in this kind of offseason. Maybe that's why he's saying it's going to get out to a slow start because they have to get acclimated together um, as kind of the first couple of early weeks of the season kicks off. But you should have had this, you know, up to speed. You can't get out to a slow start here in the NFL, folks. There's only one team that has made the exception to the rule. And once again, we can't even, we don't even really acknowledge it because it is such a big outlier that it just ruins everything when you go and talk about it. And that's the New England Patriots with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick can lose and go 0-4 in the month of September. It doesn't matter. He will still win the Super Bowl at the end of the year. But he is the lone exception to the rule just because of that that dynasty, folks. It's it's literally a rule breaker in anything you talk about. Anything you talk about that's kind of like, oh, that's so out of the ordinary. That's so wild to even think about. Or, oh, yeah, that definitely just kind of ruins the thinking, ruins the kind of logic train of thinking. It's always the Patriots that are doing that because of this giant success. It's so much more than giant success. Uh, super exorbitant, a ginormous Ginam again <laughs> um big folks. I mean that dynasty of the Patriots was fantastic, but this Giants team can't get out to a slow start. Daniel Jones can't get out to a slow start. Saquon Barkley truly can't get out to a slow start because then, you know, all the negative media attention around the injury and that he's not a top back anymore and that it's the classic running back cycle. That's why you don't play pay running backs heavy money or don't take running backs in the first round because they're a dime a dozen and they get injured quickly. And once they have one injury, they're never at that top peak performance that they were once were in a la Todd Gurley truly unfortunate that situation so this Giants team cannot afford to get out to a slow start so Kenny Galladay you've got some explaining to do tell me why you think they're going to get out to a slow start this season and whatever the reasons you give us you have about um, what do we got nine days you got about nine days left to fix it so you take all these uh, the, all these issues that you're seeing and you fix it in the next nine days because I don't want to see y'all get out to a slow start. There's no there's if you get out to a slow start, it's gonna be a ruined season right off the rip. You you lose the first game, it's over. It's the season's done. It's unfor it's gonna be unfortunate. So let's see what this man is saying here. Can we? Oh, man. Let's just see what this man is saying. Here we go. The Giants have been cautiously optimistic about the return of Saquon Barkley. His new teammate echoed the same prudence when speaking with reporters Thursday. Once again, the Giants have been cautiously optimistic about the, Saqu the return of Saquon Barkley. But, but, it's not even that optimistic. It's cautious. We haven't really even heard anything about Saquon Barkley being ready to go week one. We've kind of been hearing, yeah, maybe potentially week three. That's kind of what we've been hearing. So let's keep going here. Let's see what Kenny Galladay is going to say. Kenny Galladay is in the New York Giants' number new number one receiver and believes his team is headed towards great things. It just might not appear be apparent in week one. Says, quote, I mean, I'm excited. When I look in the huddle and see all those guys, it's very exciting. I mean, we were getting excited about it. We love this team on paper. We think it's potentially one of the deepest teams on paper um, offensively here in the league. I would say definitely kind of top 15. I think you can make a case for top 10. Definitely top 10, I would say. Yeah, I'm going to stick with top 10. Yeah. All right. But uh, back to the quote. But 
people have been in and out of the lineup, truly that. So we're going to be a little probably slow to get off, but we've got some workers on this team, and I feel like if we put in the work, I feel like we can be really special. Well, you had the chance to put in the work. You you haven't been putting in the work the last month of training camp while every other team has been putting in the work. So we do know that you know a lot of shakeups here at the wide receiver position, obviously with Saquon Barkley, a lot of you know ins and outs, and you know having to miss a couple of days of practice and training camp and getting that rhythm and repetition repetition down I get it but the good thing about the Giants is that Daniel Jones was like the only starting quarterback there was there was no quarterback competition so you know Daniel Jones with you know little limited reps with these other stars on his team just because you know Saquon Barkley was injured and some of these wide receivers were kind of missing a couple of days of practice so they never really had their full lineup so when they did have their full lineup in in some practices Daniel Jones was able to kind of take advantage of that because he was the only one getting the reps on that day that they were all there all right, uh, we get another quote here. We do, so let's uh, keep reading here. Uh, when he speaks of the guys being in and out of the lineup, Galladay is referring at least partially to himself. Galladay completed his first practice Thursday following a hamstring injury suffered in early August that kept him out of action for most of the month. Another one of those players who is just now returning to practice to the practice field is Barkley, who suffered a knee injury that robbed him of nearly his entire 2020 campaign. His return back to the field has been intentionally slow, but it sounds as if he's almost back to full participation. Yeah, once again, it sounds like he's almost back at full participation. So once again, we're nine days out, and this man is not even back at full participation yet. I mean, I don't know about week one, folks. Barkley practiced Thursday, getting some legitimate reps while also ensuring he's not risking anything with the start of the season a little over a week away. We get a quote here by Saquon Barkley saying, quote, we did a normal practice safely and just talked to the guys and they gave me some good shots. But it's about route running and running routes just to get me back in the flow of things. So, all right, just be back by week one. I don't care what it takes. We got to see him back in week one. All right, we get uh, one more quote here by Saquon Barkley, so let's read the lead up. Daniel Jones is entering a pivotal third year and needs all the help he can get. Significant assistance could be provided by a healthy Barkley, but not without full confidence in the strength and stability of his knee. The same goes for Galladay, New York's big offseason signing and his hamstring, says quote here by Saquon Barkley. I had a run and I thought about it and I was like, that's the kind of like that's kind of like the first time I've really carried the ball in that situation since that time I hurt my knee. Still just taking it one day at a time so Saquon Barkley you know as soon as you know we were starting to kind of see some good things they kind of pull him back we saw that about two weeks ago when he initially was starting to kind of get back at practice his first day kind of back at practice and then the next day they had him kind of sit out for the rest of the week so hopefully that's not the same kind of situation here where we get him practicing yesterday and maybe he doesn't go today and maybe he doesn't go kind of like early Monday and Tuesday kind of leaving his uh, true availability for week one truly in jeopardy so we're hoping Saquon Barkley can get out there we're hoping Kenny Galladay can kind of you know get great at this Giants uh at this Giants offense and be a great receiver for Daniel Jones who's gonna have you know huge pressure on him this season to be successful so 
the Giants, man. We want them. We want them to be good. But everybody, you know, we haven't been hearing anything optimistic about this team. Like, oh, like we're going, like we're a shoe in for the NFC East. And, you know, we're the best team in the NFC East. And, you know, everyone's kind of downplaying everything on this team, which I guess is an all right strategy. I don't think it's a worse strategy to kind of downplay and not truly believe in yourselves and maybe kind of count yourself um, as some underdogs and not, you know, overinflate your head. I get it. But at the end of the day, is there any confidence? I mean, nobody's confident in Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is not even really confident in himself or as, or at least what he portrays to the media. Um, so, man, oh, man, we're hoping this team can get right for week one. We're hoping they're all out there, and we're hoping that they don't get out to a slow start. Just get it together, guys. Just get it together. How hard is it? Get it together. So, We'll see what this Giants team can do this season. Hopefully, everybody's there week one and playing at a high level. Alrighty. Uh, we got a Tom Brady kind of clip here that's been uh, kind of trending today early this morning. And it's just Tom Brady kind of talking about, um, you know, quarterbacks kind of getting bailed out by the refs because the quarterbacks throw some like inaccurate passes that lead the receivers into dangerous positions that the defenders take advantage of by laying out a big hit and then the defenders get kind of flagged for roughing the pat or rough roughing the quarterback or roughing the receiver or whatever um you know um what's the official penalty geez um um i like i don't even know i'm blanking um y'all know what i mean though like um unnecessary roughness unnecessary roughness there it is um so you know defenders getting unnecessary roughness calls on receivers because the quarterback you know was inaccurate with the ball it was still complete and it still goes down as a completion but the quarterback could have made a safer throw so the receiver didn't get lit up so the defender didn't kind of have a perfect target zone to hit the receiver and um you know that ended up drawing the penalty so I wanted to bring up this uh, quote or in this what Tom Brady's saying here is because, you know, this is why we look at every single throw and why we judge and critique every single throw. Yes, we look at the stats, you know, completion percentage, we do kind of way big, but we also look at every single individual throw and critique these individual throws to kind of see what these true what these quarterbacks are truly in games and not just looking at the stats and saying, oh, he's got 67% completion percentage. He's absolutely fantastic. But when we look at his film and, you know, all the balls are, you know, way out to the left and way out to the right and making the receiver kind of extend over the middle, you know, which receivers don't want to do, you know, we can just bring it back to uh, Mitch Trubisky and Allen Robinson last year. You know, Mitch Trubisky has some good stats on paper, but when we see the balls that he was throwing to Allen Robinson, you know, Allen Robinson was literally sacrificing his body and the majority of the throws by Mitch Trubisky because Mitch Trubisky was not a 100% accurate. And that's what Tom Brady's getting at right here. You need to really be 100% accurate with the ball so you don't get your receiver into a big hit situation that really could injure him and knock him out for a game the entire season his entire career so Tom Brady was putting the emphasis on the great quarterback play that really should be in the league and saying that you know the refs are actually kind of penalizing great quarterback play overall because they're bailing out those bad kind of inaccurate passers with big penalties defensively that pick up the first down and move the chains and then just kind of enable those quarterbacks to continue to throw inaccurate balls that set up the receiver in a bad position on the field to 
take a real big giant hit that could potentially, you know, injure those players. So, you know, you know, we do everything for a reason here, folks. We look at the film, we look at the stats, we look at what people are saying, we analyze all that information to come up with our own takes, and that's all what we say here. We don't say anything for no reason. We have the stats, we have the film, we have the highlights, we have just the overall narratives that have been said by the national media and just fan bases and what's trending on Twitter. We have all this information. We comb through all this information. We absorb and look at it and, and just analyze and talk about about all this information daily on the show and then we come up with our takes based on the evidence the entire body of work presented to us so when we you know when we talk about quarterback play and who we like and who we don't like and you know we've got this quarterback list here that we are going to have to update right before the season starts this is on our list to do before September 9th when the season actually begins but when we kind of rank our quarterbacks we're doing everything it's not just the stats we're looking at the film we're looking at how accurate they are yes it was the completion but could it have been a little bit better was it a completion because the defender wasn't turned around and wasn't playing the ball was the ball way underthrown but the wide receiver was way open that's why we didn't really love Mac Jones that much coming into the season because he was in Alabama last season with the star-studded offensive cast and we know college defenses are absolutely trash for the most part Total totality wise, they may have one good defensive lineman or a good corner or a good linebacker, maybe two good defenders um, out of the 11 starters on defense. So, you know, when we were watching Mac Jones, and yeah, you know, his career, his stats last season were absolutely fantastic, but when we watched the film, everything was wide open because Devontae Smith was a great route runner, because Jalen Waddle was always getting wide open, because those players were making it easy for Mac Jones to have, you know, 15-yard completions that are wide open because the defense is, once again, not great. And, you know, we, we just didn't think that was going to translate to the NFL. But here we are. It is kind of getting it done. So... <clears throat> Shout out to Mac Jones. <laughs> but, um, you know, we just tried to watch everything. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what Tom Brady was kind of saying here. Yes, it may look accurate and it may go down as a completion. And that completion percentage may be good. But, you know, there's there's different levels of accuracy. You could put it 100% on the money. Or it's a little wide, but the receiver made a good catch. He extended. Um, you know, it could have been a little bit high, but the receiver went up and got it. I mean, you can put the ball. There's... There's one per there's one place to throw the ball on every single throw. Only one that's 100% accurate. And most of the time that doesn't happen. And that's just kind of the nat I mean even Tom Brady isn't 100% accurate 100% of the time. Uh, but it goes into our thinking. Are they, you know, more accurate at that kind of 100% 100% accuracy more more of the time, less of the time, majority of the time, something like that? in between that, whatever it is. So that's just kind of what we do here on the show, obviously. We like to break down everything, and uh, I think this was a good quote here by Tom Brady. So if you haven't heard it, it's on our like tweets. It's been going around Twitter. It's some um, solid insight by the greatest quarterback of all time. So he knows what he's talking about, so we'll go with that because <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. So, All right, so that's Tom Brady. All right. Uh, what else is, oh, jeez, oh, jeez. <laughs> Just, folks, I mean, folks, folks, folks. Dude, 
were y'all ready to admit that we were right? I mean, that Tim Tebow is a clown, that this man does not do anything good, and that he's just a puppet for everybody to use and make money out of? Because now Tim Tebow is coming back somewhere, folks. Tim Tebow went away, but, you know, he's got another dream. Remember Tim Tebow saying, oh, my God, I'm so blessed that I can live my dreams out and dream after dream after dream. And when I don't really kind of show up to my dream, the next dream is right there, and I can take advantage, and his next dream is here, folks. Folks, because now, now we get to hear from Tim Tebow every single week. Isn't that what everybody wanted? Uh, a day of Tim Tebow nonsense and talking about nothing relevant and every single one of his takes is absolutely wrong, folks. Are we all ready for this now? Jeez Louise, I'm so glad that Tim Tebow got cut so he can go and be on network television and spew some garbage message, whatever he's going to be puppet uh, uh, puppeterized it with whatever it is it's coming every single week now so I'm glad Urban Meyer I'm glad you did this this is all on Urban Meyer Urban Meyer brought this man back into the limelight and now we have to hear from this clown once a week great exactly what everybody wanted so here we go Tim Tebow to debate Stephen A. Smith every Friday on first take Oh my god, you get rid of Max Kellerman so you can bring on Tim Tebow once a week? What the hell are they doing over there at ESPN, first of all? Um, and now, Tim Tebow, every single week, get ready. Some garbage take. Some, some, oh my god, I'm just living out my dreams take. Okay, Tim, talk about your tight end experience and how blessed you are for the opportunity and so how blessed you are to have Matt Urban Meyer that gave you this opportunity and how you worked so hard. Oh, my goodness. Every week he's going to be like, oh, my God, I was working so hard out there for Jacksonville to be a tight end, but it just didn't come, It just came up a little bit short. But, you know, I picked myself off and I dusted myself off, and now look at me. I'm here every single week, and it's so great. It's like, okay, yeah, great. Exactly what we all wanted. So um, I'm going to have to. Um, um, turn off your TVs for Friday every for the entire day. You never know where this man's gonna pop up at. So, ugh, 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 ugh. Come watch takes by fans on Friday, y'all, so you don't have to endure this garbage. Uh, Tim Tebow debating Stephen A. Smith. I've got no problem with Stephen A. Smith, but y'all know how I feel about Tim Tebow. This man is an absolute clown, folks. We talked about this. This man right here. New York, New York goes to work, a reality star on Flavor of Love, who Flavor of Love, Flavor Flav didn't pick, so she had to go and do something else, so she went to work every single week. If she did the job, she got $10,000, I think $10,000, and if she didn't do it, she didn't get the money. That's what Tim Tebow is. He's a clown. And he's doing, you know, he's doing odd jobs every single week. Uh, every single year, we get a new odd job by Tim Tebow. It's enough already. What does Tim Tebow bring to anything? I'm over it. I'm 100% over Tim Tebow in literally everything. Why do we have to keep hearing from this man? What is so special about Tim Tebow that we have to get his opinions and takes on everything every Friday? He had his time in the NFL. It wasn't great. He's not a, he, he had one good, one, not even, he didn't have a good season. He was just there for a season. He, he was there for a season and won a playoff game because every everything fell into place for him. So, Tim Tebow, folks, get ready every Friday. How, oh man, that's going to be the worst. I don't even know how long he's going to do, but however long, hour, half hour, 15 minute segment, whatever it is, it's already too long, so. Uh, I blame Urban Meyer for this, so...
once again, we can never get behind the Jaguars at all. Jeez, Tim Tebow. Mm, going to be great. I can't wait. Can't wait. All righty. Let's move on to this. And I don't know how much I want to read this and read into this and how long I want to spend on this, but... I, we got to give Dan Campbell a little bit of a shot here. So there's a piece written about Dan Campbell, who the man is, what he's all about. So let's read this article. It's decently lengthy. So, you know, if we're not getting anything in the first couple of paragraphs, we'll move off of this. But we'll try and give Dan Campbell a fair shake here. Truly see if we can buy this man because we just haven't bought this man at all. And we didn't really like anything that he's done in this kind of offseason ever since he's gotten this starting job. Everything hasn't really panned out good for the man we can't really buy or sink our teeth into really anything that he's done and get behind anything that he's done so let's read this article right here on the man and see if we can maybe find some good things to say about dan campbell and maybe find some good things that make us buy this team a little bit can we bet this team at all this year most likely not I would say the safest thing is to always bet against this Lions team I think that's probably the easiest bet of every single week is betting against the Lions but let's see if that could change here so let's see what we get about our boy here, Dennis Campbell. Here we go. The Dan Campbell experience comes to Detroit. So here we go. Let's see what they say about this man. Here we go. Dan Campbell's biggest fear is what he will feel he has to act a way he does not want to. That one day in a bid for respect or approval... He won't be the truest version of himself for even one second, and he will sit down and write some long, thought-out speech. He will sometimes, quote, calm down if he needs to get to a point, needs to get a point across to his team, he explains, and list bullet points, for instance, quote, but man, I hate that. I hate that. I want to be able to talk with what's in my heart and on my mind because that's who I am. It's just everything that's the essence of who I am. He says, Campbell then changes the subject mid-sentence. He does that a lot. Oh, great. We got this man that can't even stay focused. Um, he's talking about how how much he hates not being able to kind of say what's on his mind and say exactly what he's feeling. And then he goes and changes the topic mid-sentence. Okay, let's keep going here. Uh, he does that a lot, but it's always welcome because, well, he's Dan Campbell, He and he's rolling. He explains that when the latest coaching cycle started last winter and he was an assistant in New Orleans, he told his agent to get him in front of Lions Brass for their head coaching vacancy. Quote, there's this small handful of teams that I'm like, I belong here, Campbell says. This was at the top of the list because I've been here and I remember as a player thinking, God, if you could ever win in Detroit, oh my God. Well, you can't win anywhere else, Dan Campbell. You haven't won as a head coach anywhere. You're the interim of Miami Dolphins head coach after Joe Philbin. That didn't result in anything. And then you went to the New Orleans and was an assistant head coach. And once again, can we attribute any of those Saints wins to Dan Campbell directly? I don't think so. So yeah, you know, if you can win, if you can win in Detroit, yeah, that'd be great. But 
one thing, a couple of things are holding you back from that. One, you've never been a head coach before. Two, the ownership is a mess. And three, the overall roster is very, very lackluster. You got Jared Goff on your team, who even Sean McVay couldn't win a Super Bowl with or score any meaningful points in the Super Bowl with. So it's no disrespect to Dan Campbell, but I'm I'm taking Sean McVay over Dan Campbell every single day of the week. Easy peasy. That's not a that's not even a discussion, a debate, anything like that. It's Sean McVay 100% of the time. So, okay, let's keep it up here with Dan Campbell. He explains that Detroit reminds him of Texas, where he grew up, but just with different accents. A place built around family and hard work. He starts to get emotional and clears his throat, saying, quote, Everything about this place, Campbell says of Detroit, quote, The bubble burst, housing, it hit everywhere, but it hit here. And then the auto industry, man, takes a hit, and the Lions have sucked for 30 years, and they're always the joke year in and year out. Oh, the Lions in this narrative, he says, in a mock voice of how people talk about the team he continues quote I just feel like this place fit me man it really did like I belonged like I literally fit like a glove in Detroit they love the lines they love football in this place called out to me it was like you know what you need to let the let these guys know what you're about that you understand their own pain all right, but it's not all about connecting. Just because you connect to a place, a city, a team, a franchise, players, coaches, anything like that, you still have to put in the work. And Dan Campbell, unfortunately, does not have a resume at all at the head coaching spot. So, yeah, you know, having this dream and, you know, feed, fitting in great and feeling like you fit in great and just feeling like this place is calling to you, yeah, that's all good and well, but that's not going to do anything for you on the football field. And like he just said, the Lions have sucked for 30 years. They're not going to kind of be like, well, Dan Campbell, really cares about us so you know not winning is fine they're eager to win and if you're not winning they're gonna kind of toss you aside like literally every other Lions coach for the last 30 years so Dan Campbell just because you know you're you, you feel like you connect with the city of Detroit that you understand all their struggles I don't think that's gonna hold up too long if you're continuing to lose the entire season so once again, it's just Dan Campbell. He says good things. I'm not saying like these aren't good traits to kind of say and to have and that you can buy into it. But at the end of the day, this alone does not get the job done. The him just saying this isn't going to make me buy into him a little bit more just because he's so he's so happy to be here and feels like he truly fits here. We need a little bit more substance out of this. And everything he's done so far has no substance to it. And that's kind of what we're saying. There's just no real substance to Dan Campbell. He says a lot of things that, you know, seem motivational, that kind of seem like it would motivate our locker room. But it never really does because it's all just kind of, you know, kind of boilerplate, kind of basic generic things. Let's keep it up here. The Lions hired Campbell 45 in January, and seven months later, I'm in his office at the team's suburban Detroit facility getting what many Lions players and coaches have already seen, the Dan Campbell experience. He apologizes profusely for being late. He arrived at 101 for a 1 p.m. meeting. Oh, how classic is that? That's like the most cliche, I think I've, <laughs> cliche thing I've ever heard. Uh, he stands up front. He stands up from the desk and walks around the room to act out an explanation of how a time traveler would describe smartphones to people in the past. Quote, they'd be like, you won't believe where I was. Everyone has these little rectangular devices and they just wander around. Their fingers are doing something. They are wandering and they don't even know where they're going. They live through this device. I mean, 
everybody has had this thought no it's like is this anything profound and are we supposed to oh my god he's oh my god oh this great message that dan campbell has i mean are we supposed to take this away from him pacing around the room i don't even know just mumbling about smartphones and what people from the past would say this is what we're talking about, man. This is all the man is. He's like a walking, like, everybody likes to write these kind of fluff pieces on Dan Campbell because, oh, it's so lighthearted. Oh, see this guy? He's talking about smartphones and people of the past coming, and they wouldn't even believe it. Oh, my God. It's so insightful. It's like, it's just generic stuff he's saying, and everybody wants to, you know, say he's this some genius because he's having some thoughts. I, I just don't get it. What else do we get here? Um, let's keep going here. Jeez, Louise. I, this So far, this article is not doing it for us, folks. This is exactly what... This is just the same things we've been hearing all the time. This is what we know Dan Campbell to be. There's nothing that we can really buy. There's nothing more to Dan Campbell. This is all it is. Let's keep it up here. Campbell thinks smartphones are the worst thing that has happened to coaching because he believes that players across sports have lost the ability to communicate with their colleagues in the locker room. Says, quote, it's a big emphasis. It's a lost art, man, to be able to say, listen, you've got an issue or something's going on. Come up and look at me and tell me exactly what's on your mind. If something's bothering you. Come up and tell me. Just tell me. Don't text your agent. Don't have your agent call Lions General Manager Brad Holmes. So Brad calls me. Just come up and say, we are trying to breed that culture. Just come up and say it. We are trying to breed that culture. But if they come up to you and kind of say, hey, we have an issue, then you go on a long tangent about people from the past coming to the present times and not knowing what smartphones are. So... We're hearing that the writer of this article is saying that he's, you know, changing topics mid-sentence and mid-conversation and everything like that. You think that he's just putting on this performance for this writer? I'm sure this is what Dan Campbell's like the entire time. So players are not going to buy into that. Players are going to get kind of tired of that and then do exactly what Dan Campbell says don't do. They're going to text their agent and then the agent gets in touch with the owner or the general manager and then it gets back to Dan Campbell because Dan Campbell's... Uh, going off on some tangent about, you know, the Daytona 500 and how he should have been a race car driver and not a head coach somewhere. I don't know. All right, let's keep going here in the article. Campbell's solution to any potential communication problems is to say exactly what he means at all times. Yeah, we got that from the first paragraph. He, he hates not being able to say what he wants to say which is what he's done in a coaching career that includes five seasons as an assistant in New Orleans, a six-year stint on the Miami Dolphins staff, and a decade-long NFL player career as a blocking tight end. He is sort of a bizarro world jacked Ted Lasso. Oh, my God, Ted Lasso. I mean, you can't even you can't even have a conversation without somebody bringing up Ted Lasso. So, yeah, that's comic that's comedy you know uh, an american goes has to be the head coach of a soccer club because uh you know americans don't understand soccer so funny it's so comical okay that's what dan campbell is he's ted lasso and i don't even like i don't like the premise of ted lasso i get it's funny i get it's raved about it. everybody loves it i get it the premise it doesn't do it for me okay yeah we're making fun of americans not watching soccer how funny is that is that supposed to be funny uh because um, ESPN doesn't put on soccer, so nobody watches soccer. It's like, okay, so this is Dan Campbell. 
Now I wonder why I'm not in love with Dan Campbell because he's Ted Lasso, folks. Ugh, puts it perfectly right there. His players and co-workers adore him, and he's been memed by the national media. Oh, yeah, he's a head coach that can get memed. Oh, he's so lovable and likable. Folks, I can't buy Dan Campbell. I can't. I can't. I'm trying. This is what we were trying to do here in the article. I wanted something that wasn't the classic Dan Campbell that we see all the time and what we actually know that he is. We wanted something else lie to us. Say that he's this some intellectual genius that actually knows what he's doing and all this stuff is just kind of a persona. This is who the actual man is and this that's fine. I don't care about the man like that, but as a head coach, it's not going to win in this league, folks. It's not going to win in this league. It's not going to win in this league, especially with this Lions team. You put him on maybe the Packers, maybe, maybe Aaron Rodgers could carry this man as a head coach. I think he kind of carried Mike McCarthy a little bit, so I think he could have carried Dan Campbell to maybe a deep playoff run, potentially a Super Bowl championship. But Dan Campbell's not going to do anything with this Lions team, folks. Nobody's buying into this dude. All right, his players and co-workers adore him, and he's been memed by the national media. He cares about the first part far more than the latter. He became a viral sensation for getting a little too passionate during his first introductory press conference when he proclaimed, proclaimed that the Lions were going to bite opponents' kneecaps while be playing a physical brand of football. His comments, he explains, like everything else he does, were about cutting through to his... Oof, Con constituency? Jeez. Let's see what this word's all about. Constituency. Constituency. Let me get the pronunciation up here. Constituency. Jeez. Um, a body of voters. Yes. Constituency. Okay. All right, through his constituency by saying exactly how he felt. Says, quote, no, I know you can't freaking bite kneecaps and crack kneecaps, and those are 15-yard penalties, which, by the way, I've gotten letters on that, but it just called to me, Campbell says. The last thing on my mind was, I wonder how the national media is going to react. I was talking to our players and our fans, and that's all I care about. Now, that I like, yeah. You know, who cares about what the national media says? Don't care about that. Don't even care what I say. You know, I, I'm just talking here. But, uh, you know, Dan Campbell, yeah, don't care what the media says. You know, you're talking to your players. Do, say whatever you want. We, we don't care. Dan Campbell, we don't care. Say whatever you want. It doesn't matter. If it gets it done, it gets it done. But we don't think it's going to get it done. And if it does get it done, we'll apologize to Dan Campbell. I would have no problem apologizing to Dan Campbell. If Dan Campbell wins like eight games, I will have to apologize because I really don't even think they're going to get close to eight games. So, Dan Campbell, you win eight games. I'll apologize to you on the show. You got it done. I will admit that. Uh, but you got to do it first. Uh, Dan Campbell is a man who is comfortable in his own skin. Coaching like politics is local. And the kneecap comment played completely differently to Campbell's intended audience. Quote, what I got from it was genuine, since Ly says Lions offensive lineman Taylor Decker. Quote, I want to see camaraderie in the locker room. I want to see a bunch of bad motherfuckers out there. Just be the Detroit Lions, and we're going to go out there and hit people in the mouth. You can hear coach speak from other coaches look at the guy he's fucking three percent body fat he's got great energy he wants everyone to learn compete and have a chance 
One of the days I was in Detroit, Campbell went viral for his Starbucks order. He has called himself an asshole for cutting a particular long snapper. He did it on his birthday. He has talked about his two teacup Yorkies, Thelma and Louise, and what they thought him and what they taught him about football. But these are incidental details. Campbell is different from other coaches because he can't be anything other than himself. I hate when people say that, oh, I can't, I'm just myself. Yeah, everybody's themselves. Well, you relax and you're not special because you're yourself. Like, what is that? Dan Campbell's not like other coaches because he can't be anything other than himself? What? 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 Uh, the story of successful head coaches is usually the story of being you. Authenticity is no guarantee of success, obviously, but the opposite is almost a guarantee of failure. Head coaching, like the phenomenon described in Tom Wolf's The Right Stuff, can lead to lifelong alphas getting to the very top level of their profession and realizing they are not the person they thought they were. Their ha- Their hands shake and they start to act differently as the attitude that got them the job disappears. Some coaches get top jobs and forget how they got there. It would be easy for Campbell to try to mimic either of his coaching mentors, Bill Parcells or Sean Payton, but he knows he would fail if he did. First-time coaches often decide to become clones of their bosses and lose themselves I can make no proclamations about whether Campbell will be successful as a head coach in Detroit he will not um August when I arrived in Detroit is not a time for such things nor nor is the first year of a long-term rebuild on a roster that lacks a lot of talent I can only proclaim that Dan Campbell is still Dan Campbell a phrase that can only be defined by itself quote Players know a fake when they see a fake, Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn says, and they know Dan is real. Okay, Dan, yeah, Dan's real. He's, he seems real. He seems authentic. We get that. You know, that's definitely proven in this article. Uh, but just once again, just that total attitude. At some point, we have to get some substance. It can't just be kind of all motivational speeches and, you know, wild, bizarre things that do somehow garner the intention the attention and the energy needed by the players to go and get it done at some point you still got to get it done on the field so we'll see if Dan Campbell can do that um let's just read maybe one or two more paragraphs here it's still real 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 long and uh you know we're just getting everything that we know about Dan Campbell so uh we can finish it up here let's read this last paragraph and these last two quotes here so here we go. Here's what Campbell has has to go through. He is a first-time head coach on a team starting over after trading Matthew Stafford, the law, the line's all-time leading passer, to the Los Angeles Rams. They have a new quarterback, Jared Goff, and a raster that, as currently constructed, is not expected to win many games. The franchise lost, last won a playoff game in the 1991 season when Campbell was 15 years old. The 2021 Lions will almost certainly be quite bad. Campbell's presence will not be, says quote I never ever 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 wanted to be in the weight room when he was there he was a for he was from a different gene pool than this northeast Jewish executive so if he was in the weight room I would just go for a walk and call it a day says Mike Tannebaum an ESPN analyst who was the executive vice president of the Miami Dolphins when the team picked Campbell for the interim coach in 2015 says quote he was humiliating to be around but but once again, he didn't choose Dan Campbell to be the head coach. 
he was the interim, and then after the season ended, they're like, yeah, you can leave, and we'll try to find a new head coach. Because I don't think Dan Campbell was the tight ends coach for the Dolphins after that. Um, so it's like, okay, so he's big. He's got 3% body fat. He's always in the gym. That's the reason why you hired him? Like, that's the reason why he's going to be a good coach? <laughs> what? Um, let's continue on with the quote here. Quote, but I think in th- this 30-second soundbite, society people think, Okay, he's really tough on players, but he has a lot of other pitches he can throw, Campbell Tannebaum says. Epitomizes an iron fist in a velvet glove approach, says, quote, he is very relatable. I thought that authenticity was very apparent. So, yes, he's he's authentic. He is who he is. He likes to say exactly what he means and exactly what he's saying. Okay, so does everybody else. I mean, like, Dan, are we supposed to treat Dan Campbell as some special guy? Why is Dan Campbell getting all these kind of, you know, big kind of just – uh, I, don't, I don't even know. Why, why, why do people love Dan Campbell when he has not proven any really, really kind of success in this league by himself as like a coach? He's a tight ends coach. He was the assistant under Sean Payton. It's like, does Sean Payton need an assistant? <laughs> like Dan Campbell was some genius. It's like we're getting to that Adam Gase. Oh, my God. He coached uh, Peyton Manning. The man must have been a quarterback whisperer, a quarterback guru. It's like, no, he just played under some talent. He was on a talented team. He coached some talent. I mean, that doesn't mean that this dude is the 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 Messiah, the end-all, be-all, the answer, anything like that. So, Dan Campbell is still who we thought he is, which is really not what we really wanted to take away from this, but we'll see if it translates to any win. We know he's a great motivator, folks, and that's why you need Dan Campbell on your team. I just don't think it's the head coaching spot. Defensive coordinator, tight ends coach, I've got no problem with that. An assistant somewhere, yeah, fine. But as a true head coach where every decision has to run through him, where he has the final say in everything, I just don't think he's the guy to do it. When every single decision relies upon him to have the right decision to make the correct call, I just don't think he's the guy. He brings the juice. He brings the energy. He is authentic. Those are true quality traits that you do need to be successful in football. I'm not saying it's not, but at the head coaching position, there's never really been a head coach like Dan Campbell that has ever won meaningful games in this league, folks. So we'll see. Maybe Dan Campbell is the new era, the new wave of head coaching. It's a bad team to try it, but we'll see if the Dan Campbell experience works out for Detroit. Can't be any worse than what it's been. So I guess that's something good going for him. But we still need to see kind of playoff wins consistently, at least playoff appearances consistently, if uh, you know Dan Campbell truly wants to call this a success in Detroit. All righty. Uh, last story to go over for today. We got the best throws from the NFL preseason. Two-minute 30 highlight clip right here. So let's see who was getting it done here in the preseason. And let's see if we see um, any of these plays that we called out were some pretty gosh dang good plays here. So here we go. Let's uh, start with play one. And it's the Trey Lance big bomb. Like 90-yard touchdown pass. And if you remember, we called this the best throw of the week. I think this was preseason week two. And this was really Trey Lance's only great play of the game. We watched every single throw from preseason game number two for the 49ers and it was all right but you know yeah yeah so it's a good throw here by Trey Lance we absolutely love the throw throwing from the left hash throwing it about 50 yards all the way down to the right hash it was fantastic and it goes for the touchdown so it was a great ball but that was his best throw of the day 
All right, here we go. Drew Locks. Drew Locks, big old pass to KJ Hamler for about 90 yards. And kind of, you know, I think this was preseason game number one where Drew Lock got the start. And, you know, this kind of, this one throw alone and this just kind of one start really kind of made us think that Drew Lock could have been the starter and really was kind of. Uh, the winner of the quarterback battle after week one because of his good performance, but that didn't last too long because we all know what happened. All right, third play up here. We get it. Who is this? Is this uh, Trevor Lawrence throwing a ball here? We get a Jaguars player throwing a ball. We get Trevor Lawrence throwing a nice deep ball there. About 30 yards. Fantastic. Trevor Lawrence getting it done. He looked fantastic in preseason game number three. Here we go. Ooh, who is this? This is not Dak Prescott. Cowboys quarterback. Ooh, I don't know who that is. Couldn't see the number. Um, if it's Ben Nucci, he's trash, but he's on the practice squad now. All right, here we go. Sam Ellinger here for the Colts going deep. Unfortunately, there's no quarterback competition to be had, so it's all for naught. Raiders. Um, I don't know who this is either. Jeez. Um, there's no quarterback competition with the Raiders, so we don't. do we care at the end of the day? It's a good throw, about 40 yards on the sideline. Good ball, good accuracy. All right, Chiefs backup quarterback. Oh, 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 between three defenders right over the middle of the field. Jeez, jeez, about 30 yards down the field. Absolutely great placement right there. Unfortunately, they got Patrick Mahomes. All right, we got Justin Fields on the next one, and it's a deep ball down the left sideline. Absolutely fantastic. A huge deep ball. Once again, can Andy Dalton do this? I don't think so. So why not give Justin Fields the start? Come on, what the hell is going on? All right, Cardinals backup quarterback throwing a nice kind of fade here in the end zone. Goes for the touchdown. Fantastic. Unfortunate. Kyler Murray is there, so we don't need the backups. We get um, not Sam Darnold for the Panthers. Unfortunate. Going down right down the sideline. That's a good pass. Zach Wilson here for the Jets. Throwing on the run and a beautiful wide open throw on the right sideline. And, you know, going to uh, Corey Davis. We love to see it. Here we go, the Chargers. Unfortunately, it's not Justin Herbert, so unfortunately, we just don't really care too much. It's unfortunate. Uh, here we go, Jameis Winston throwing a 50-yard bomb, and this throw cemented him the job right here, folks. 50-yard bomb, double covered all the way down for the touchdown. Single-handedly wrapped up everybody's mind, wrapped up Sean Payton's decision to be like, this man is going to be the starting quarterback, and then why not just throw one more stunt on him, a 40-yard bomb on the very uh, next drive right there to go for the touchdown. Touchdown again, getting it done. Now we got Patrick Mahomes in the cut, going to Tyreek Hill. Can't wait to watch this all season again. I mean, how great was the start of the season for the Chiefs last year where it was Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill for the most, for really every single touchdown at the beginning of the year. And now we're getting it again in preseason game number three, the finale there, and just looking absolutely fantastic. All right, here we go for the Colts. I believe that's Jacob Eason out there throwing a deep ball. Once again, unfortunate Carson Wentz is going to be ready week one. Here we go, Josh Allen. Ooh, ooh, we love this strike so much. Just so quick over the middle of the field, 40 yards, absolute bullet strike. I don't think I've seen Josh Allen throw a zip like this all last season. And last season was the best season I've seen recently from an overall quarterback just level of play it was fantastic so if Josh Allen is continuing to keep on getting better geez Louise geez Louise we've got one of the greats here in the league can't wait can't wait fantastic 
All right, here we go. We got uh, Lamar. Is this Lamar Jackson? Is he out there? He is out there going deep there in the end zone. Touchdown, Ravens, and they're obliterating the Washington football team. Justin Fields back here throwing from his uh, from the opponent's 20-yard line. A huge strike down the right sideline for the touchdown. Great Accuracy, great ball placement by Justin Fields right there. Once again, the big play ability of Justin Fields. Get this man as the week one starter. What are we doing out here? All right, 15 seconds left. We got Trevor Lawrence again going deep, this time against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, once again, he's just looking absolutely fantastic in that preseason finale. All right, here we go. We got the Giants. Is this Danny J? It is Danny J. Danny Dimes out there throwing a nice touchdown right there, I believe, to their tight end. Hopefully he can keep it up in the regular season. We get Baker Mayfield on the last play right there. A nice about 15-yard, no, 30, 35-yard strike moving out to the left, setting his feet, squaring his shoulders, and then dropping it off there for the touchdown for about 35 yards. So some great throws there by the quarterbacks. Starters, backups, getting it done in preseason. But, folks, I mean, I was just watching college football last night, and, oh, my God, how great was it that all the starters and the huge packed fans in the stands can't wait for the start of the NFL season. Like we said, you know, preseason, you know, games are kind of good. You know, preseason game number one, that first one is, you know, really great because we're getting some football. But then just so it's like, okay, the product overall is not the greatest. But I'm telling y'all, folks, can't wait for week one. College last night, college games, the Ohio State game, Minnesota, fantastic, uh, high energy, big plays, starters going at it, the intensity was there, the scoring was there, the overall athleticism and just overall level of play was there, and now we're going to get that in the NFL come next Thursday. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Alrighty, so those are all the stories that we needed to cover and break down for today. So let's head over to our NFL training camp narratives to watch for. We wrote all these down in the beginning of the training camp to see what we wanted to see out of these uh, some of these teams. What did we want to see? What were some popular stories that were going um, along at that time? And those kind of played into our narratives of what we wanted to watch for as the training camp practices progressed and as the preseason games progressed. And now that training camp and preseason games are officially over, we are revisiting these narratives to see if these teams have answered what we wanted to see out of them and if we can buy them a little bit more or should we be selling them right at the kind of deadline where we really have to make a firm decision buy or sell these teams at least for you know the start of the season so we've been going through all the divisions we got two more left so let's finish them up here uh, we got the AFC North and the AFC West so let's start here with the AFC North North the Steelers the Ravens the Browns and the Bengals alrighty here we go Steelers our training camp narratives to watch for was offensive line question mark well the offensive line was I think pretty solid let's go to these um, overall rushing stats here and just see where the Steelers team just kind of placed overall rushing wise because that's going to give us a solid indication about their overall line and then we'll see what their uh, how many sacks they gave up to two good indications of, uh, of a good offensive line and this Steelers offensive line is kind of like a Franken offensive line a lot of new players I think um, only maybe one returning offensive lineman at most here for the Steelers so here we go, rushing stats for the preseason. How did the Steelers do? Uh, kind of midway in the pack here, folks. Probably about top 15-ish, number 15, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, 20, yeah, top 20 slash 15. 
All righty, so they had how many rushing yards? They had 390 rushing yards. The most was 565. Okay. We've got rushing touchdowns. They had about three. They had three rushing touchdowns. Most seems to be about seven. First downs, rushing first downs. What do we got by Pittsburgh? 22. Most seems to be about 34-ish. Okay. All right, let's just see what they were averaging per rush. They were averaging 3.3 yards per rush. The most was 5.7. So once again, just average-ish. I mean, 3.3 is basically average uh, for any running back. So, all right, just all right, mediocre here. Now let's uh, see what the sacks were. Sacks were like for this uh, Steelers team. If they were protecting the quarterback, that's great. And it's definitely going to be great for um, Big Ben. So let's see what this defense was giving up in the stack department. The Steelers gave up. Four sacks. Wow, that's real good. Uh, most given up seems to be about 13. Some double digits. Four is really, really the lowest. Really. Five, four, one. Cincinnati had one sack given up. That's pretty gosh dang good. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like top three of, like, sacks not allowed. So, well done for the Steelers. A little bit more of a, a, little bit more of a better passing offensive line than a rushing one. And, uh, you know, if the rushing offensive line is good, then Najee Harris can still have success because we know he's kind of A1 tier one, or beginning to be. So, Steelers offensive line, not bad for just kind of the big question marks going into it. So, offensive line, I think we can give it a check here for the Steelers. Najee Harris, just how great, question mark. Well, we barely ever saw Najee Harris. I think he maybe had like eight rushes the entire preseason. So still, you know, kind of the cat's out of the bag on that one. Um, but, uh, you know, we do believe that he's going to get it done. So can't really judge Najee Harris too much just quite yet. But we'll definitely see him week one so we don't have to wait too long. Uh, Big Ben, how's the arm feeling? Well, we just saw Big Ben, in, Big Ben in preseason game number two, and he was slinging the ball around. He was looking absolutely fantastic. So, Big Ben, we've got no problems with. He's going to get it done. Um, defensive back uh, to full strength and healthy. Uh, well, I uh, they've got T.J. Watt. That's good. Um, who do they bring in? Let's get up their depth chart very quickly here uh, because they lost. Who they lose? Um, Bud Dupree. And I think they brought in, who they bring in? They brought in somebody to kind of just fill up that defense a little bit more. Unfortunately, this does not seem like it's going to load the depth chart here for the Steelers. So we will, uh, let's see if we can bring it up quickly. On our second device that is not connected to the internet, we got a way around it. So let's bring up the Steelers depth chart very quickly here. And see what their defense is looking like. All right, here we go. So, obviously, Cameron Hayward, TJ Watt on the off, uh, defensive line. They got Devin Bush, Joe Sherbert, and Alex Highsmith. Joe Hayden is back and healthy, thank goodness. Cameron Sutton, Minka Fitzpatrick. So, they still have some solid defensive players out here. I forgot who they brought in. Was it Melvin Ingram? I think it may have been Melvin Ingram. I think it was Melvin Ingram. So, hopefully, he can kind of, you know, take... Um, Bud Dupree's kind of place and get that same level of production that we saw out of him last season. Uh, so the defense back to full strength and healthy. Matt Canada, can he get it done on the field? So now let's look up the the offensive numbers here. 
can we get offense? I want to see what this Steelers offense was looking like. Let's go um, team leaders. And let's look up. Do we got total offense? We do. All right. So Matt Canada, new offensive coordinator here for the Steelers team. How did his offense rank in the preseason? Now, once again, granted, I don't, I don't have to say this after everything, folks. I get it. I understand it's preseason. It's second, third, fourth strings out here, all competing for a team. But still, you need to be able to coach up players. Just because you, you can't only coach with star-studded players. That means they're not a good coach. A la potentially Dan Quinn. We'll see you this season. Uh, so let's see what Matt Canada was doing here with the Steelers offense. Was it good? Uh, it's about kind of top 10-ish. We get 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 teams with more yards overall. What are they? What's the, uh, what is the main stat here? Yards per game, it seems like, is the one defining metric here that kind of puts them in order. So Steelers kind of top 12 of yards per game. Uh, they had an extra game, so you know their yards are a little bit more inflated just because they had four preseason games, but they had 320 yards per game offensively. Pretty solid right there. Number one was 391. So between 12 and number one, all between 320 and 390. All right, let's see how many points they put up offensively. They put up 75 points Averaging 18 points a game, which is a little light. We're definitely going to have to get that up. If you're not scoring more than 20 points a game, don't expect to win those games. Uh, number one seems to be about 20, 26 points. 26 points a game, 27. Uh, Tennessee had 27, and I think that's the highest. So Steelers had 18. Highest was 27. So a little bit light there offensively. But once again, we did see Big Ben get in the game in preseason game number two. And I think he scored like... Uh, two touchdowns on three drives that he played where Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph just could not score to save their lives. So, you know, we can account, you know, account for the lackluster level of play by those other players. But still, at the same time, we would have liked to see uh, Matt Canada be able to work with those other players and kind of scheme the fits around them for some preseason games and just to get everything out on tape. Uh, so not terrible there by the offense. Um, they had 917 passing yards, which is absolutely fantastic. Uh, 229 passing yards per game, and that's definitely top, uh, definitely top 10 there of what every team has done in this offseason for preseason games. And then for rushing yards, they put up only 97 rushing yards a game, and that seems to be about middle of the uh, – below. Yeah, that's way below average. Their rushing attack was kind of lackluster, honestly. A lot of people with 100-plus, 90-plus. So, all right, Matt Canada, got to get that rushing game up a little bit more, and that's kind of what we've been hearing. Everybody's on the same page from the general manager to the, uh, to the head coach, Mike Tomlin, to the offensive coordinator. They all know that rushing attack has to be a huge part of it. So, seeing them kind of, you know, very below average here for overall rushing yards per game a, a tad a small small red flag concern so Matt Canada can he get it done on the field um, it's solid so far but we definitely got to see more and you know now that we've got the starters we're definitely going to be able to gauge it definitely betterly uh, come week one so that's what our Steelers talk was for their training camp narratives to watch for now let's go to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson 
deep ball need to see 100 times every practice? Well, we didn't see it 100 times every practice, unfortunately. And, you know, we barely got into any games. So we're still not really sure 100% on Lamar Jackson's deep ball. We think it's, we think it's solid. We definitely need it to be fine-tuned this season because that's going to be the huge narrative surrounding Lamar Jackson. Got to have start having success here. I mean, we're talking about, what, year three with Lamar Jackson. This is where we're starting to have to have some great success here. Potential AFC Championship game. Really honestly want to see a Super Bowl appearance, uh, but you know, we'll see how the season plays out for them. All right, the running game, and can, oh, geez, the running game, and can J.K. Dobbins be the premier workhorse running back? Ugh, ugh. Well, we know J.K. Dobbins is out for the year, so truly, truly unfortunate. He would have been, you know, the workhorse running back, the premier running back out here, but truly, truly unfortunate by J.K. Dobbins, injured this season, out for the year. All right, and then the last one, Sammy Watkins, prime rookie year. Can he return to his prime rookie year? Well, didn't he get banged up? Can we bring up this Ravens uh, death chart just to kind of get an update on his injury? I believe Sammy Watkins got a little shaken up a little bit. Let's see if that is correct. All right, so no, he's good to go now. All right, and Marquise Brown, they're both good to go. So no more injuries besides Rashad Bateman, who is on injury reserve and is going to miss at least three weeks. Uh, but, you know, Sammy Watkins, we know he can be this great threat um, offensively. Let's see if he did anything in the preseason games. I don't know if he played any preseason games. I don't think he did, but we can quickly take a look at his stats. Um, and even if he did, you know, probably getting like one or two balls. So... Um, I guess, yeah, we're not going to look at those stats. It's waste. There's nothing to learn from it, really. Uh, but uh, Sammy Watkins, prime rookie year. We're hoping that he can return to his form. Haven't really seen it too. Uh, you know, haven't really seen it here in uh, training camp, any any of the videos, any of the preseason games. So, overall, Lamar Jackson didn't see the deep ball 100 times every practice. J.K. Dobbins is out for the year. And Sammy Watkins just didn't really see a lot of him. But he's there to work for week one, so we're ready to watch that. All righty. Browns. Well, we only had one quick narrative. Year two collective offensive leap. That's all we wanted to see. They've got a huge, great squad around them. Great passing game. Great running attack. Good, solid quarterback and a good, solid head coach. So we just need to see a good year two out of this Browns team offensively. So let's see where this Browns team ranked in total offense. And we see them in three preseason games. They kind of led the league. They were the ones that had the 391 offensive yards per game. So that's absolutely fantastic. They put up 59 points in preseason, which is definitely very, very light here. This is like bottom, bottom five-ish. Definitely, definite bottom 10 here. Just uh, looking at quickly, probably like bottom five or six. So definitely have to put up the points, but they were moving the ball. So if Baker Mayfield can start to capitalize on some drives here in the regular season, we know it's not all Baker Mayfield out there uh, 100% of the time or even most of the time out there. So, you know, these are backups just not able to score the touchdown, settling for field goals, turning the ball over, whatever is the case. But the fact that they were able to scheme and move the ball offensively for almost 400 yards a game, we can definitely get behind that so they were averaging 308 uh, passing yards a game which is about second best absolutely fantastic just behind the Jacksonville Jaguars wow and uh and the New Orleans Saints had 311 so kind of top three in passing yards per game and then rushing yards they only had 91 which we know is very very bottom here uh but you know now we got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt so overall this Browns offense 
definitely could be shaking and quaking this season. Watch out for the Browns, folks. Don't fall asleep on them. Baker Mayfield's going to get it done. They've got the star-studded roster, and they're going to build upon what they did last year, which was a huge success for them. All right, the Bengals now. Our narratives were Joe Burrow year after injury. How is he looking? Well, uh, Joe Burrow just played in preseason game number three only. Uh, did not play in number one or number two. So let's see uh, what his final stats were in preseason game number three. So here we go. Joe Burrow went 0 of 1. <laughs> Oh, of one. All righty. So we don't know how Joe Burrow is looking after the injury. He is good to go, which is good. He's not going to miss week one. Uh, you know, he kind of got out there in preseason game number three just to kind of, okay, this is what NFL action is. I'm ready for week one. So we'll have to wait for week one before we can critique and judge Joe Burrow. Uh, what is their identity moving forward in wins or taking a slight step back because of the injury? So overall, this Bengals offense, I'm not – Totally sold on it. Jamar Chase has been struggling mightily here, so we don't really know what their overall identity is, especially with Joe Burrow not you know, getting into the offense and truly seeing how the offense is going to function. We should expect a lot of kind of screen game at the wide receiver position. Expect you know, for this Bengals team to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands quickly because the offensive line is a huge kind of question mark and an issue for this Bengals team, so get that ball out of Joe Burrow's hands quickly so we doesn't get re-injured so he doesn't kind of have a little bit of PTSD back there in the pocket hurrying him and you know making him make bad reads or the wrong read because he's trying to get the ball out of his hands quickly so he doesn't get hit so he doesn't get re-injured um, and then, you know, with, uh, you know, the screen game, we saw Jamar Chase, you know, them trying to get him, give him some screen passes, some passes over the middle to create separation, just never there. So expect a quick, quick, quick offense here by the Bengals, and we'll see if they have the players that show up and produce and get it done. Joe Burrow, if he can get back to some solid form like last year before the injury, and Jamar Chase, if he can get back to 2019 Jamar Chase, because we haven't seen 2020 Jamar Chase, and because he opted out of the season, and now we're going into 2021 with a question mark on Jamar Chase, the first wide receiver taken in this year's draft. So uh, the Bengals will know more about them come regular season, folks. Didn't learn too much about this team in the preseason games. All right, let's go to our final division here for our NFL training camp narratives to watch for that we wrote down in the beginning of the preseason and now are visiting at the end of preseason, and that is the AFC West, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. So let's start here with the Chiefs. This is what we had to say uh, to watch for for the Chiefs training camp. We said, Travis Kelsey, hopefully his head hasn't grown too much. All right, so Travis Kelsey has been looking good. I think he caught some solid balls there uh, when he played in preseason game number three with our man Patrick Mahomes. I think we can bring up his stats quickly. I want to say he had a couple of catches. I know uh, Tyreek Hill had a touchdown. I don't think think uh, Travis Kelsey had one. He had two catches for 35 yards. So we know Travis Kelsey's the man. We know this man's the real deal. We only didn't want to see him have a too big of a head because he started tight end university and he's mentoring all these tight ends out here, but he's still getting his work done and he's not letting, you know, the other tight ends kind of bring him down or uh, surpass him. He's elevating his own game because he just told all the secrets to his game to all the other tight ends. So he's still getting better and it's still going to be one of the top tier tight ends in this league so Travis Kelsey is still a-okay just shaved uh, the beard it went babyface and then the internet lost their minds 
Is this Chiefs a dynasty more than the average of four years? Now, we're seeing that this Chiefs team could be absolutely great because when it was Patrick Mahomes starting, they looked cool, crisp, calm, collected. Um, I think they were winning that game at that point. At the end of quarter number one, when everybody, when all the starters really stopped playing, it was 14-3. to I mean, you could not stop that Chiefs passing attack. They were scoring the ball. They were scoring touchdowns. Tyreek Hill was getting wide open down the field. Patrick Mahomes was accurate as heck. We had a sidearm pass of Patrick Mahomes in preseason game number three that kind of broke the internet like Patrick Mahomes does when he sidearms a ball. So this Chiefs team, you know, we talk about dynasties and we talk about how hard it is to be to maintain your spot at the highest level, whether it's a team or just the highest level of position, cornerback, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, whatever it is. If you could be at the top of that, like top three, top two, top one as a team or individually for a more than a four-year stretch, I mean, you are a true outlier. I mean, it's a hard to go more than four years at the top of your sport at the top of your position, whatever it is, and the Chiefs are kind of entering that a little bit. So it uh, seems like this Chiefs offense isn't slowing, slowing down anytime soon, so this could be a legit true dynasty, like a 20-year dynasty like the Patriots were. So they're looking great when all the starters out there. And Tyreek Hill, can he reclaim number one wide receiver status and continue to grow? Well, we just saw him in preseason game number three, folks, right down the sideline. No big deal. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. We can bring it up once again right here. We got the play. Here it is. What's this one? Is this the one? No. Where's the, I want to see the Tyreek Hill down the sideline. Where are we at here? It's fantastic. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I mean, folks, just look at this. Just look at this. I mean, look at this. This, this is five-yard separation by the end of this route. Five yards of separation. Do you know how hard it is to get five full yards of separation in the league, folks, when it's one-on-one -on -one matchup? Jeez. So, yeah, Tyreek Hill can definitely reclaim that number one status. We still have him as number one wide receiver in our book, but we do know that the players and the coaches came out and voted, and they've voted Devontae Smith uh, or Devontae Adams, the number one wide receiver in the league. But, uh, yeah, Tyreek Hill, baby. Watch out for this, man. Chiefs are looking like the real deal this year, like we all knew they would be. All right, the Raiders. John Gruden, make or break year. Yeah, I mean, it's still make or break. There's nothing that has shown in the in the preseason and in training camp which it would not be a make or break year for John Gruden. So we still need his level of play up, his level of coaching up, getting it done, winning games consistently, not just in the beginning of the season. We also need wins at the end of the season as well. And let's see what the Raiders did in preseason. They won their first preseason game against the Seahawks 20-7. to they won their second preseason game against the Rams, 17-16. Good close win right there. And then they ended up losing against the 49ers, getting blown out 34-10. So, all right, 2-1 in the preseason. Not bad, but once again, it's good start, bad finish, which is John Gruden's freaking motto out here. So, okay, John, we'll see what you can do in the regular season. Can he coach? Once again, we don't know if he can coach. We, we didn't really learn that 2-1 and one and you know losing the last preseason game is definitely not a good look because that's his motto. Hey, I'll win the, you know, I'll be good in the first 7-8 games and in the back 8 games I'm floundering and we don't make the playoffs. Defense has to be solid. Let offense control the game. 
Darren Waller, can he be tight end number one? Well, definitely can be tight end number one. We know what this man is do doing in this league. Um, I don't believe Darren Waller. Did Darren Waller play any of these preseason games? Let's see. Let's go to preseason game number three. If Darren Waller had anything productive. Uh, Derek Carr didn't play, so Darren Waller did not play. Let's see what happened in preseason game number two against the Rams. We get any Darren Waller great work out here. Once again, Derek Carr did not play, and neither did um, Darren Waller. So we still just know Darren Waller from last two seasons being absolutely freakish athletically and great wide receiver slash tight end. So we're still believers in Darren Waller, just haven't seen him recently. And Derek Carr, can he silence the, his doubters? Well, no, because there's still doubters there on Twitter all the time on Derek Carr. I don't get it. I think Derek Carr is a huge good piece to this team. I really think it's all just John Gruden. So we didn't really learn anything about this Raiders team, what we wanted to learn in training camp and in the preseason games. But uh, we'll know more by week one and if this Raiders team is not getting out to a hot start it's, it's done with John Gruden the 10 year experiment of you know you signing John Gruden to a 10 year deal right off the rip didn't make any sense and now we're heading into year four with really no good success under his belt here in the Raiders organization so we'll see how they come out week one but so far still big question marks on this Raiders team alrighty Chargers, could head coach Brandon Staley, can he win the close games? Well, let's see what they did in preseason. Obviously, we know preseason is different than the regular season, folks. I get it, but it's still a good early indication of what potentially could be going on here. So let's see what the Chargers did in preseason because that's why Anthony Lynn got fired. He could not win the close game. So if you're going to make the head coach, uh, if you're going to make the switch at head coach, you better hope that your replacement is better at winning the close games than what you just fired the head coach for. For, for doing bad, which was losing the close game. So let's see what they did in these preseason games. Preseason game number one for the Chargers. They win 13-6. Bingo, bango. A one-possession game. Fantastic. Week number two, they lose a close one, 15-10. Ooh, ooh. And they scored 10 points in the second quarter. It was 15-10 in the fourth quarter, and the Chargers just couldn't put up any points. Unfortunate. And then preseason game number three for the Chargers. They win 20, or no, they lose 27-0 to the Seahawks. Well, that's not a close game, so I guess he didn't flounder there. He lost a blowout. I guess that's good for Brandon Staley. So, all right, Brandon Staley, it's going to come down to the regular season. Got to win those close games. Justin Herbert, can he continue his GOAT resume? Well, I don't believe Justin Herbert played in any preseason games. Um, he did not. So, we're assuming he can. We're big on our man, Justin Herbert. We do have him as the second-best quarterback in the league currently. Um, we will not apologize for this take. We absolutely love Justin Herbert and saw, loved what we saw at the, uh, at the end of the stretch of last season. So we're expecting big things from Justin Herbert. So still some question marks here on the Chargers. Couldn't really get a good gauge on what we wanted to see. And then the last team here in the AFC West is the Broncos quarterback battle. Well, we know our official prediction was going to be Teddy Bridgewater winning the starting job, and Teddy Bridgewater won the starting job. We think that's the right choice, but we need to see Teddy Bridgewater take the deep ball, take the chances on the deep ball a little bit more. The dink and dunk, we saw it in preseason game number one, didn't see it too much in preseason game number two, and then by the time preseason three, uh, game three came along, he already won the starting job and was looking solid. Uh, got out to a little bit of a rough start, but ended up picking it up later in the game, so... 
Quarterback battle has been decided by the Broncos. Unfortunate for Drew Locke, he's going to be the backup. But we do believe that they would have no problem going to Drew Locke midway in the season if Teddy Bridgewater is not getting it done. So, uh, Drew Locke, there's still hope that you can play at the starting level this season. All right, then, do they miss Philip Lindsay? We thought that was a really, really wild decision to stick with Melvin Gordon over Philip Lindsay, even though Philip Lindsay is younger and had back-to-back 1,000-yard -back seasons here. We thought he was looking absolutely great. Now, let's see where this Broncos rushing attack was ranking in the overall preseason offense by all the other teams. Was the, you know, Melvin Gordon and company getting it done here for this uh, Broncos team, or was it a lackluster rushing attack? I believe Melvin Gordon played in the final preseason game, so let's bring up his stats in that game quickly. Uh, they ended up beating the Rams 17-12 in the last preseason game. Melvin Gordon did play. He had five carries for 35 yards. That's seven yards of carry. And, it's, uh, yeah, that's fantastic. Seven yards of carry. Hoof, that's fantastic. Um, so, all right, Melvin. Very, very good preseason finale. We'll take that. All right, just overall rushing, this Broncos team ranked about midway, about kind of number 15 slash 17-ish here. They had 320 rushing yards. Highest was 565. But they did have 5.2. Ooh, ooh, hang on, that's the Bears. Oh, 3.2. Okay, so they were very, very below average, like what the Steelers were doing, right at kind of that 3.3, 3.2, just average-ish mark right there overall by all the rushers here. So not the greatest here of Denver, but Melvin Gordon had a nice performance in preseason game number three. So we'll see what is going to be true here, what is, what is more true here, um, the rushing by committee or just Melvin Gordon getting it done himself. Uh, what else we get? Jerry Judy, do we see a year two leap? Well, I mean, we loved what we saw from Jerry Judy last season, and we've been seeing, in, seeing him in some highlight clips here of just kind of practices and what he's doing. So Jerry Judy, we're absolutely can't wait to see him. And now that he has the good serviceable quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over, hopefully we can start, you know, scoring some more points. But we, once again, we do need Teddy Bridgewater to trust Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy. You can trust him. Cortland Sutton. These are two great wide receivers who will go up and get the ball wherever it is placed. We know Teddy Bridgewater is good accuracy wise. So just take the chances down the field. Take these chances. Believe in your guys. Believe in your weapons because they're absolutely great. All right, final preseason game did he that um Jerry Judy did not play, but he, didn't he have one good maybe it was preseason game number 2 where he had he took like a ball, it was like a, a crossing route in the middle of the field and then he kind of ran like 20 more yards through defenders. Uh, he had a real good performance that game or at least just that one throw. I think that was in preseason game number 2. Let's see what his stats were there. Receiving for Jerry Judy, two catches for 40 yards in preseason game number two. I'll take 20 yards a catch, absolutely. So, yeah, Jerry Judy, year two leap, it's, it's going to be there. And uh, can, Von Miller, can Von Miller stay and be healthy? Well, he's not injured. He's going to be ready to go week one, so hopefully he's good to go there. And then Deshaun Watson, question mark. Well, we know they're probably not going to trade for Deshaun Watson. Doesn't seem like anybody's going to be trading for Deshaun Watson. We're about a week away from the start of the NFL season, and no team has traded for Deshaun Watson. I can't see teams rushing out with like seven days left before they have to go out and play their first game. That they're like, all right, now's the time to get Deshaun Watson. If you are going to go and get Deshaun Watson, you pretty much would have already done that. It does seem like the Broncos are 
content on going with Teddy Bridgewater, and then if he's not working out, content with going with Drew Locke, and if both those don't work out, I think they just call it a wrap for this year and plan for whatever happens next season. So that's our training camp narratives for the Broncos. Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today, folks. I mean, we have officially wrapped up our training camp revisit narratives here. Uh, fantastic. We've learned a lot of great things, but there are still a couple of teams that still are a little bit of question marks because they just didn't answer everything we wanted to see. So we'll kind of, you know, keep obviously talking about these teams into the regular season and what they're all doing and taking it a week by week basis. So no worries there, but tomorrow we can start making some money on some overall win totals folks. We can spend the majority of the day in the show looking at all those teams and what their wins are and what their schedules looking like. And can we find those wins needed to win some money? So that's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back tomorrow looking at win totals and uh, breaking down the stories of the day, if any arise. So let's quickly see if there is any breaking news as we were live, and then we will be out of So what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? We got anything good? Does not seem like anything has been breaking. So... That is definitely going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in. And we will be back tomorrow, live noon Eastern, like we are every single day. Alrighty, folks.